Welcome to the Alien Beer Podcast. My name is Chrissy Garrison. I'm an independent science fiction and fantasy author, and I will be reading my stories to you. I'm excited to announce that by the time you hear this, the Alien Beer Podcast will have been downloaded a thousand times. Since this is my 26th episode, that's nearly 40 downloads per episode on average. Thank you all so much for listening to me tell my science fiction stories. As a way to thank you, I have set the Kindle edition of my science fiction novel, Reality Check, to be free for the next five days, from July 2nd, 2020, through July 6th, 2020. In addition, I am giving away a signed paperback copy of the book. To enter the drawing, post about the Alien Beer podcast to social media and take a screenshot and send it to me at ecg at sillyhatbooks.com. I will roll dice to determine the winner, which I'll announce on my July 9th episode. The Multiverse Blues and my Transcontinental books were spun off of Reality Check, so I think it should be of interest to regular listeners. Even if you miss this promotion, I encourage you to get a copy for yourself. For a link to the book and details, go to sillyhatbooks.com slash rcfree. That's R-C-F-R-E-E. Last time on the Multiverse Blues. Hope's tour traveled through the arch linking Gamma Earth to Delta Earth. The crew debated what to do about the recent targeted attacks and discussed Jules' mysterious female double from Ox. Now, as they pass into glitzy Delta Earth, the crew looks forward to staying in a luxury hotel and a risky scheduled show before making their move to shake pursuit. The Multiverse Blues, Chapter 10, Love in Vain we passed out of the arch into Delta Earth sometime after midnight. Zamboni let us know that the drive up to Chicago from St. Louis would be about five hours. Marcy recommended that we all get some sleep and that we'd be staying in an actual hotel for this gig. As much as I liked Hope's tour bus, La Esperanza, I was ready for a real bed and a real shower, maybe even a bath. Hope was the first to go upstairs to bed. I'll admit I wanted her to stay. Something about her presence, sitting there next to me, helped me feel safer. I imagined following her up to her cabin up front for a nightcap, but shook off the idea as fanciful and inappropriate. Marcy, Babs, and Harlan filed up the stairs after her. This left me alone with Dribbler, who claimed he couldn't leave because Jasmine the cat sat on his lap. He seemed content to sit close with me on the couch, and I didn't mind his cozy company one bit. It was nice, just watching the garish neons, projection screens, and colorful lights of St. Louis slide past the window. And the people! Gone were the face masks, suits, and dresses of bitter Gamma Earth, replaced in Delta by skin-tight, day-glow clothing, big hair, and mirrored sunglasses. Everyone wore sunglasses at night. What's up with all the shades? I asked Dribbler. Do all the neon lights get to them? He laughed. Nah, those aren't shades, sweetie. They're specs. VR glasses. Most people can't live without them anymore, like you and your phones back home. Except they wear them and they see virtual reality layered over regular reality. Maps, name-tagging, imaginary things, virtual costumes, that kind of thing. Huh. Doesn't that get in the way of seeing... I gestured vaguely at the city streets. Like, everything? Dribbler grinned and touched my hand with his fingertips. You'd think, but some of them turn it all the way up and never see any reality. His touch sent a warm shiver up my arm. I decided to leave my hand where it was. All the way up? 
He nodded, letting his hand settle on top of mine by unspoken agreement. Yeah, they only see virtual. It's like walking around inside of a world-sized video game. We've been here a few times before since I joined. They're fun. I get the appeal. I thought about that a bit, letting our hands stay together while I did. As I spoke, I extracted my hand and stroked the sleeping Jasmine. Her ears twitched and her tail flipped once, but her eyes stayed shut. Sounds risky. What if you go someplace that's not mapped out in virtual reality? He shrugged. Dunno. I guess the things do some mapping for you? How much of your world isn't mapped out by Google? I bit my lip and said, fair point. So they have Google here? He shook his head. Nah, they have a bunch of different tech companies like that. Rover is the big one, I guess. They make the specs. Another company does the software, and yet another built the VR net. Still seems a bit weird seeing the world through VR glasses, but not too different from Beta. Dribbler smiled. I thought so, too. Delta Earth is fast-paced, high energy. It's out to prove to you how smart and sexy it is. It's Electric Avenue in downtown Funky Town. They don't believe in chill here, except maybe when you're talking about sub-zero electric martinis at two in the morning. For shows here, Hope still plays some blues, but she also busts out disco, hip-hop, and new wave aesthetics to keep the Deltons awake. I took all that in, watching the lights pass us by, thinning out as we left the city center. I shifted my position on the couch such that I faced away from Dribbler, leaning back against him, my head partly on the seat and partly on his shoulder. When he didn't move away, I murmured, Do you mind? His voice lowered to a hush. Not at all, Jules. Now I have two cuties sleeping on me. I must have answered him, probably to protest that I wasn't asleep, but it would have been a lie because I drifted off right about then. I woke some time later to find the lights in the cabin had dimmed and Dribbler had gone. Jasmine perched along my side. My head lay upon Dribbler's rolled-up hoodie. I shifted a little, looking around for him. The cat let me know with little claw pricks that she wanted me to stay right where I was. I gave in and fell back asleep for the rest of the trip. The lights in the main cabin blazed to full brightness, and Marcy swept into the room, wearing an incandescent yellow dress with a repeating pattern of multicolored birds all over it. Rise and shine, Jules. We're at the hotel. You know you have your own bunk upstairs, right? Well, Dribbler and I, I began. Marcy cut me off with a sly smile, saying, I had a feeling about you and him. Good for you. But, um, I don't think that's how... She waved her hands between us as though erasing a whiteboard. No, no, I don't need to know details. Things get awfully close here on La Esperanza, and it's good to keep up the illusion of privacy. Privacy? About what? Babs appeared in the doorway from the aft galley, holding a steaming cup in one hand. If there's any juicy gossip, you know I just gotta know about it. Come on, spill. Marcy laughed. I was just giving Jules here a hard time about... About what? Dribbler stumbled down the stairway in black jeans and a hot pink Madonna t-shirt, his hair somehow perfect. Babs kissed him on the cheek as they met at the bottom of the stairway. Marcy was just about to dish, Dribs. Marcy put her hands on her hips and grinned. Well, speak of the devil and he shall appear. You sly dog, you. My face warmed a few thousand degrees. It's not like... Dribbler's face suddenly matched his t-shirt much more closely. Wasn't it, Jules? I mean, at least I thought... I shook my head. No, that's not what I meant. Last night was very cozy. 
Babs and Marcy mirrored each other's gleeful look. I thought they might jump up and down or burst out in a fit of giggles, but instead they chorused, Very cozy. Just then, Hope swept into the room, swathed in shimmering teal gauze. She ruffled Dribbler's hair and slipped an arm around his waist. She sang, Cozy, who's being cozy on my bus? Dribbler ran fingers through his hair to try to restore its former perfection. Jules and I just watched the world go by together last night. They were very sweet. Hope's muzzle drooped a little as she now stared at his feet. Oh, Dribbler, how could you? I thought last night was my night. I stood and straightened my long sweater. What? I didn't know. I stared daggers at Dribbler. The cuddly drummer broke out into a wolfish grin. I mean, we hadn't made up a schedule yet, but if you wanted jewels, you should have stuck around. Perhaps tonight, then, said Hope, fixing me with an inscrutable stare. She beckoned to me with one of her mitten-like hands. What? I cried in confusion. Harlan wandered in from the driver's cabin. What seems to be the problem here? We going to the hotel or ain't we? Marcy, Babs, Dribbler, and even Hope burst out in laughter. My embarrassment heated up even more, and I made a beeline for the door, slapping the button to open the bus's hatch. Dribbler caught my arm to stop me from storming out. Hey, Jules, we were just... I whirled on him. Just what? Hazing the new person? Well, you got me. Very funny. Hope began to sing, Jules. I shook my head. Don't, Hope. I don't take teasing very well, especially not after running away from my own wedding to join the interventional circus. Forgive me for taking a little comfort in the closeness with you all. I just started to feel at home, you know? Hope took a step to stand at Dribbler's side, brushing my other arm with her hand. Lovely jewels, she sang. No one is mocking you. We are all rather fond of you here. We are glad you ran away with us. Marcy looked from Babs to me and said, Yeah, sorry about that. We just get excited when new crew hits it off with the rest of us. We are our family here. Babs took Marcy's hand and blew a lock of dark hair out of her eyes. Yes, a rather incestuous family at times. Marcy swatted at her. Not like that. Babs fluttered her fingers between herself and Marcy. Ooh, you lie, Mama Bear. Half the time, half of us sleep anywhere but our own cabins. I wanted to get my chill back. I wanted to laugh it off. But adrenaline and disorientation wouldn't let me go of my man. Look, I just need some time to myself. Do I have my own room in the hotel? Marcy and Hope exchanged a look. Marcy said, if you like, I was going to ask who you'd like to room with. I shook my head. At least for today and tonight, I want my own space, okay? Everyone but Harlan nodded. Harlan said, y'all, as fun as this soap opera always is, could we just get a move on so Zamboni can park the bus and so we can get some brunch? Marcy distributed mirrored sunglasses. These specs are like wearable smartphones. Jules, I set up a pair for you. They'll act as your map, room key, credit card, and much more. I wouldn't put the opacity up past 50% until you know what you're doing, however. Opacity? Dribbler chimed in. The VR level, like we were talking about last night. Defaults to 50-50, so just don't change it until you get used to him. I nodded, not really feeling like talking to him just now. And with that, everyone descended the ramp into the cavernous orange-neon-lined parking garage. I trailed behind and discouraged attempts to pull me back into the fold. Signage everywhere welcomed us to the horizon. 
As we ascended an escalator, I could tell that the horizon was much more than just a hotel. It was also a mall, a restaurant strip, and an entertainment complex. It reminded me of some of the hotel casinos in Las Vegas, though I saw no evidence of gambling at first glance. I put on the specs Marcy had given me, and the world exploded with light and motion. People stood out against the background as though every one of them was lit perfectly. Some had elaborate clothing that seemed to be made of light, or even moving patterns. Most people had a caption floating over their heads with a name or a handle of some sort to identify them. Marcy's said, Mardav84, while Harlan's read, XUSDDIV31. Hope's said, Hope's Tour 001, and Babs and Dribbler had 002 and 003. I peered upwards to find that mine just said, Jules. Distracted, I stumbled as I found myself stepping into a fountain. Since I remained dry, I put out my hand and discovered the fountain was entirely virtual. The droplets of water were scintillating pixels of light that even seemed to splash off my brightly illuminated body. At the center of things, the hotel lobby could have been one from back home on Beta Earth. Something upscale, dignified, and downtown for sure, not all sci-fi like the rest of the complex. The staff wore sharp uniform suits, and while none of them had specks covering their eyes, I did notice a few wore them on top of their heads or hanging by straps around their neck. Marcy tipped up her glasses while checking us in, but others in the lobby didn't afford the staff this courtesy. We rode up in the elevator together to the same floor. My room's door had a virtual green glow lining it in my specs, and a virtual skeleton key appeared in front of it. When I touched the key, it turned sideways, and the lock on my door clicked to green. As I reached for the door handle, a hand touched my shoulder. I turned to see Hope watching me with her deep eyes, muzzle tipped slightly downwards. She sang, Jules, are you all right? I looked away, drew a deep breath, and let it out. I met her eyes and nodded. Yeah, I will be. I just need some time alone. It's a lot to take in, and I have my own issues to sort out. I, I'm sorry for being such a poor sport. I just don't take teasing real well sometimes. She nodded and withdrew her hand. All right, take care of yourself, and we will be here when you need us. My door is always open. I gave her a weak smile at that offer of comfort, but pushed my way into my room without another word. As I closed my door, Harlan called after me. Show preps at six. Meet in the lobby. Don't be late. The room was small, but comfortable. Everything in neutral tones in reality, but decorated with neon musical notes and instruments in virtual reality. I stripped down and took a wonderfully decadent hot shower, and I scrubbed myself from head to toe with the sandalwood-scented soap the hotel provided. As I toweled off, I noticed my specks flashing blue around the rims, so I put them on again. A picture of Dribbler, shaped like a stamp, floated in front of me. The caption said, I'm sorry. I grabbed it with my fingers and tossed it off to the side where it shrank and sat as a tiny icon. I'd open it later when I felt more like company. I paced the room, wearing the towel wrapped around me. I considered the plush bed, but dismissed that idea. My head swirled with too many thoughts to rest right now. I crossed to the window and peered out from twelve stories up. I watched the flow of cars and pedestrians on the street below me. I had a pang of loneliness watching them, knowing that this was not my world. 
but despite not wanting the company of the only familiar people in Delta, I felt a need to get out of my little room and to explore this place. I couldn't get lost, I had my specs, so why not? I found that my purple backpack had mysteriously appeared in the entryway to my room while I showered, so I rooted through it for something to wear. I hadn't packed anything in fluorescent colors to match this world's aesthetic, but I did have a knee-length magenta shift dress, which I paired with some deep purple tights and ballet flats. I considered my small clutch purse, which contained my Beta Earth IDs, credit cards, and paper money. I supposed that all of it would be worthless in this verse, except maybe for making some conversation. Here in Delta, the specs serve the purpose of all that and much more. I pushed away some dark thoughts and anxiety about venturing out alone and stepped out my door. To my relief, I failed to encounter anyone from the crew on my way to the elevator. I rode down to the lobby with a pack of excited swimsuit-clad preteens who gave me and my outfit withering middle school side-eyes, but otherwise ignored me. As I stood in the lobby, undecided as to what to do, a virtual question mark appeared in front of me. I touched it, and it exploded into a dozen ads, among them restaurants, the pool, early stage shows, mani-pedis, and more. I considered some of these, then swiped them all into the virtual trash can in the corner of my vision. Once my view cleared, a man stood in front of me. Patrick, my old ex-boyfriend. Oh, hey, Jules. Fancy running to you here, he stammered out. I crossed my arms. Uh-huh. Just by chance. A world or two away, and you happen to be in the lobby of the Delta Earth Chicago Horizon Hotel, where I happen to be staying. Ain't serendipity a funny thing? He wrung his hands, twisting the untucked plaid button shirt he wore in his fingers. Yeah, I know. I had to see you. So I looked up where Hope's tour was scheduled and caught up with you here. I took a breath and closed the distance and hugged him tight. I took a step back and looked up into his face. Patrick, I've only been gone a couple of days. Why do you need to see me already? It's Sam, Jules. We have to talk about Sam. My heart sank like a rock, but I let him take me by the hand to lead me away. Thank you for listening to the Alien Beer Podcast. If you like my stories, please visit my website, sillyhatbooks.com. I publish as E. Chris Garrison, and my books may be found in paperback, ebook, and audiobook format on Amazon.com and other places. The theme music for Alien Beer Podcast is Phantom from Space by Kevin McLeod. I very much enjoy feedback on this podcast and on my stories, so please leave comments on my website, visit me at at EC Garrison on Twitter, ECrisGarrison on Facebook, or drop me an email at ecg at sillyhatbooks.com. horror movies? Do you like collecting things? Do you like collecting Blu-ray special editions of horror movies? Well then, The Horror Academic's Guide to Movies is the show for you. It's a web series where every month I pick one modern classic and determine which is the best version that I recommend that you should own. I talk a little bit about the history of the movie and in the end you get to see what films should be in your home collection of horror's modern classics. That's The Horror Academic's Guide to Movies on YouTube every month and now, part of the Project Entertainment Network. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.